Jesus. We are a family that wants to go after all that God has for us. And uh, we love the city. We love the city that we're in. Uh, and we, we want to say that we are here um, for all that God wants to do in the city. Um, I just want to uh, say also, just off the back of Claire, that maybe there's maybe you're, you're past that stage of, of having babies and all that equipment about the house. You can still support. Maybe you could get some vouchers. Maybe you could go to Argos. Maybe you could give a donation. Um, maybe you could do something like that. That just came to me. As, as Claire was speaking, this is for, for all of us. Um, we have seen this firsthand in the Hope Centre whenever uh, a young lady comes in, maybe with, through probation, and is in a situation, and she has nothing. And all of a sudden, you're able to give her clothes, give her nappies, wipes, a buggy, and a cot. And you can see how this can impact a woman how it can impact the family, and how it can really go um, and do that. So please, um, if you can help support in this way, let, let's, let's get on board and, and do that. Also, I've got, uh, we've been working closely with some local councillors this week to see if there's a project we could maybe get into. Um, David Gamble and a few of the men are, are champing at the bit um, for iHeart. So there's a, there's a play park within the waterside, and uh, we're, we're getting the privilege of going into uh, redoing it up. Uh, now we're not going in here like to create like a, you know, um, like a new build or anything. We're going in to tidy it up, repaint it, do everything that we can, and it's a great opportunity. So if you would like to be part of that too, David Gamble's our man when it comes to painting and all the maintenance and stuff. Uh, and what an amazing opportunity to get into the heart of a community, where nobody wants to take ownership of a park and do it up for families and stuff like that. Um, uh, I have the privilege this morning to have, as he just walks through the door, he's actually gonna kill me, but I have a really good friend of mine here today, Stephen Robinson. And you may have, uh, a lot of people probably know Stephen for the fact that you, he fixes your cars. And this is not a plug for SR Autos or anything like that. Um, but for, I just wanna acknowledge just for the fact that uh, I've used Stephen quite a lot in my illustrations and sermons. If, I, if you hear me saying, I have this friend, or I was in trouble, or I broke this, or I messed up and I didn't know what to do. No, I didn't go to Peter Smith. I, uh, I went straight to Stephen. So Stephen's with us today, and it's, it's great to have Stephen and Elaine and, and the girls with us. Um, enough of the slabbering now and it's time to get into what I feel the Lord wants to say. I've been feeling this heavy all week. I'm just going to put it out there from the start. Uh, I'm feeling the weight of this this morning. I was out running last night on the forge road and I felt the Lord say, get on your knees. And I'm like, I can't do that, God. And I had to get on my knees and I had to surrender everything that I have once again to him as I looked over the city, as I looked over where we call home. And it was as if again, the Lord just reminded me of what he wants to do in all of our lives and here in the city. It's what he wants to do. We are in this series um, set apart. And today I have the privilege of being able to take a look at the spies and the story of Joshua and Caleb. Um, and this story really starts in, in, in Numbers 13. Here we have, we have these two, two real groups of people, although they were the 12, um, they, they split into two groups. And uh, there, there was the two, there was Josh and Caleb, and then there was the 10. And they both went into the exact same land, 
seen the exact same things, but they had two completely different reports and two completely different opinions in what the land looked like. I suppose they were going in to scout it out. They were going in to see what's this land like that we're looking to claim? What's this land like that we're looking to take? And here they came and they went in and they looked and we had two different reports. Um, we had, had, had the 10 and they came and all they could see was problems. They had problems, that's all that they could see. But yet we had the two, Joshua and Caleb. And what did they see? They saw oh, God's promises. And for us this morning, I think we need to be looking at God's promises. We had the 10 faithless spies and they measured the giants on their own strength. There was also giants in this land. And uh, Joshua and Caleb, they measured their giants against their God's strength. So it's what we look at this morning and how we, we position ourselves before that. You see, Caleb and Joshua, they were confident in their ability with God's help to overcome this land, to overcome these giants. And they even threatened in this chapter in Numbers to actually stone Moses, to stone Aaron, to stone Joshua, and to stone Caleb. It was as if this war had broke out because of these reports. And because of the bad report and the majority seemed to rule at that time, that changed the complete history of, for the children of Israel. It changed it. Because at that point, they really forsook God. They didn't listen to Moses. They didn't listen to his voice because he was the mouthpiece for God at that time. And that's who he was. And here we see we have, have Moses and Joshua and Aaron and Caleb. And they were the only ones that were there speaking about what God wanted to do. And Joshua and Caleb gave this report and they said, the land is flowing with milk and honey. You want to see the size of the grapes. There's figs, there's pomegranates. It sounds like a fruit salad really, to be fair. But I suppose whenever you're eating manna and quail, anything would be a lot better, wouldn't it? And they saw this and they knew that this was here. But you see, this man, Caleb, he was a different spirit. It says that in Numbers. He was a, a different spirit. He was faithful. He was wholehearted. He was bold. He was brave. But ultimately, he was devoted to God. He was devoted to God and all that he'd done. You see, from this point, the people then had to wander through the wilderness and this generation wouldn't enter into the promised land. They weren't going to enter into all that God had in front of them. At this stage, Caleb was now 85 years of age. Uh, 45 years had passed since the spying of the land. Moses was dead and Joshua had become leader of the children of Israel. Uh, and Caleb, um, he, he, he becomes a spokesperson um, to the larger, the larger group, the descendants of Judah. And we're going to pick up the reading this morning in Joshua chapter 14, verses 6 to 15. If you have a Bible or if you have a device that has it on, please uh, join with me. It will be on the screens. And just to make sure that uh, you're listening to me and following with me, nothing to do with my lack of pronunciation in any of these words, but if I come across a word that I'm not saying right or I'm not pronouncing right, this is where I need you to jump back at me and give me the right pronunciation of that. Is that okay to do that? 
Thanks, Val. At least I'm going to get one person correcting me and how to pronounce a word. But I have been practicing all week here, so we'll give this, we'll give this a go. Thank you, Val. Is everybody else, can everybody, is everybody alive? Is everybody here can hear me okay? Yes, we're all good. Do we need to open a window, get a drink? Are we okay? We're about to open the word of God. It's real, it's live. Yes, so let's, let's get on with it. So Joshua chapter 14, verses 6 to 15. Now the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, son of Jebuna, the Canaanite, said to him, you know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, a servant of the Lord, sent me from Kanesh Barnea to explore the land, and I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites went up with me and, and made my hearts of the people melt and flare. However, I followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So that day Moses swore to me, the land on which your foot have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now just as the land, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time, and he has said this to Moses, and Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I am just as vigorous to go out to the battle as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard it. Then the Ancanites were there and their cities were large and fortified, but the Lord is helping me. I will drive them out just as he had said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jehunneh, and gave him Hebron as inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Joshua, son of Jehunneh, the Kezahite. Sorry? Caleb, sorry. I thought the pronunciation was wrong there. I was sweating for a second. Caleb, I'm gonna have to say this again, son of Jehunneh, the Kezahite, ever since, because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. Hebron used to be called Kiriath Arba, after Arba, which was the greatest man of the Alcanites. The land had rest from war. I think I could do with sleep, to be honest now after that. I'm done, I am done. Thank you, Val, for not leaving me hanging there. So as, as you see, here we have Caleb requesting his inheritance. Here we have Caleb standing apart, ready for battle. He wanted the land that the Lord has promised him. There are some people sitting here in this room today and the Lord has spoke promises over your life and you haven't yet seen them come to fulfillment. And the Lord is saying to you today, I'm faithful, I'm just, and you have an inheritance and it's in me and I am going to come, and I am going to bring it to pass. You see, it's in this waiting time, 45 years, that's a long time. 45 years is a long time in waiting. I wouldn't be the most patient, but if I had to wait for something 45 years, I don't know what I would be like to live with. I think I would be quite grumpy, I'd be cross, I'd be angry, but here was Caleb. Uh, and I just want to take a few look, uh, a few things to look at here uh, and tie this together of how I believe this morning that God actually wants to change us as individuals, 
but also that he wants to do something within the city and within the communities that we live in and that we work in. Actually, the Lord wants to free, free us of some stuff this morning. He wants to release an inheritance for us to walk into, to change a culture and a generation. I think of the generations that are upstairs this morning, our children, our grandchildren, our nieces, our nephews. And I don't want them to have to walk through things that I have had to walk through in my life. I don't want that. I want that generation to go and go beyond anything that we have ever had to face or battle with. Because we have had to face and battle things here in situations in our lives that has trapped us, that has kept us in. So no more this morning. So 45 years. First of all, out of this, um, we need to let faith strengthen our heart. We see here uh, five times in these verses, Caleb pointed out to the Lord that he followed him wholeheartedly. You see, faith was key to Caleb's faith. Wholeheartedly means complete sincerity and commitment. And this is what the Father is asking of us today. Are you following me wholeheartedly? Are you with me? Are you in? Are you all in? You see, 80%, 90%, 99%, it's not, it's not enough. The Lord saying to us today, are you in 100%? Are you in wholeheartedly? Are you in to follow me? Are you giving me everything? You see, God is calling us into a deeper relationship and a deeper intimacy with himself. You see, there always will be things that will compress us, will weaken us, will choke us away from Jesus. And we need to have the faith and the strength in our hearts to stand on his promises. We can't let past defeats impact what God wants to do in our lives. You see, at this point in the story, it was 45 years earlier where there was faith and there was fear. And this had a real direct impact and it affected everything that happened for the children of Israel going forward. We've heard a lot about this word, a super, super spreader over the last wee while with COVID, being in meetings and being in gatherings. The story within the Israelite camp, it was a super spreader. It went through the whole camp, the negative report, it went in and it cast fear and it took over the whole thing. So we need to be, be strong in who we are and what we believe. We have to align ourselves with God. We have to grow deeper in him. You see, the spies saw troubles and challenges, giants in the land, and themselves as grasshoppers, as small people. The greatest fear people can have is the fear of the unknown. It's the fear of the what if. What if this happens? What if that happens? What about my job? What about my car? What about my bank account? What about my sickness? In all these areas, we have the unknown, we have the fear. But like Caleb, he saw and he held on to God's promises. You see, whenever we see obstacles, we also see fear in them. But we need to stand and trust on the word of God. We need to stand on it, hold on to it, and build our lives around it because nothing is too hard for our God. Nothing is too hard. So I suppose, will you, let him, will you let it rob you of fear? Will you be robbed of fear? Will you come and will you listen to a negative report that is in there? You see, we need to stand and discern of who and what God is speaking over our lives. We have to listen to him. 
We can't listen to negativity. Negativity breeds negativity. Faith inspires faith. We have to listen and stand on the truth of God. The second point is spiritual strength is superior to physical strength. You see, Caleb had a spiritual strength beyond him. He was deep, he was rooted, and he was a strong man. And strength is good, but strength is nothing when it ever comes to spiritual strength. You see, Caleb was in this wilderness and he had great strength. He would have had to have had to be walking about and being there. But you see, we're in this culture, we're in this world where everything is crying out at the minute about our physical appearance, how we look, what we will wear, what car we drive, what job we have, how will our lives look like, and what we're doing with every second, every minute of our lives. You see, it's dictating and setting standards of how we should live. Society is screaming at us, and it's telling us how we should be living, how we should be eating, how we should be dressing, how we should be looking, how we should be living our best life. Society is doing that. But there's a real less voice at the minute in society whenever it comes to actually hearing about our spiritual condition and culture. And this is where we need to be spiritual people to rise up and to counteract the, this, the, the culture that's around us. We are in loads of different communities and loads of different cultures within our everyday lives. And it's what we bring to that culture and how we live that out will change that culture. We have to go after the spiritual strength and not look at this world around us. You see, Caleb was uh, in this story. He was in pursuit of a relationship with the Lord. He was maturing and waiting to see the blessings and the promises that God had for him and all that he was going to step and to do. My last point, and this is a slightly longer, so don't get too excited whenever I say last point. Adversity makes us stronger. The word adversity, it means hardships, difficulties in life. You see, Caleb, I would imagine, faced hardness, faced adversities whenever he was here. He faced difficulties. And we all, if we're being honest here today, we all face hardships and difficulties in our life. We all do. We're either coming out of one, or in the middle of one, or we're going into one. We're facing difficulties. We really are. And we may think to ourselves, why me again? Not another one. Why is this happening to me, Lord? But you see, whenever adversity comes to their door, it's something that we actually need to embrace. And it's actually something that we need to deal with. It's something that we actually need to hit head on. We can't just bury it down. We can't just hide it. We can't make any excuses about it. We have to deal with this. As it once was said, sometimes whenever you're facing difficulties and hardships within your life and within the kingdom, it's a good indicator. It's a good indicator because of the call and what God has in store for you. This Christian life, I'm not sure if anybody's ever told you, it's not easy. It's not easy. This is one of the hardest lives to live. Anybody find this Christian life easy here today? not really seeing any hands at the minute. It's not easy. And I don't say that to scare you, but it's what we do in these situations 
because they're here to make us stronger. You see, we need to walk by faith and not settle in the situation and the circumstances that we're facing. You see, the promise of God, he says he'd be with us every step of the way. He says, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. And you see, for Caleb, his strength was in the joy of the Lord. That's where it was. It was in the joy of the Lord. And I wonder what it was like as I was preparing this. I wonder what it was like for 40 years that Caleb actually did. What did he do for 40 years? And it got me thinking, like, did he complain? Nobody likes me. They didn't listen to me. Everyone hates me. I've just been whining about the place. What what, what has this become to? The people around him, were they impacting him? Was he impacting them? I'm not sure, but what I really have felt the Lord say to me doing was, I got my eyes focused and I kept them on God and my, and my relationship with him. What he was doing was, he was getting in amongst that next generation. He was getting in, into them to encourage them, to call out what God had put into them. He was saying to them, I know your father has messed up. I know that we have done wrong, but come on, let's go. We can keep walking. Let's get back in this race. Let's get on this. Caleb was there to call out the inheritance and to claim it. He was building them, encouraging them, and he was saying to them, let's go again. And I wonder today, as, as, there's, as we enter into this, we may feel as if we're in this situation of a wilderness. Uh, and whenever we're in these places, I think we need to be like Caleb. Because there he was calling people out, calling them on, encouraging them. What he really was, was a spiritual parent. He was a spiritual father to that generation. He was taken alongside them, investing in them, and calling out what God had put into them. What he was saying to them was really pinpointing questions, hard questions. How's your walk with the Lord? How are you getting on your devotion? How's your prayer life? Are you close to the Father? Is the Lord speaking to you? Are you worshiping me? Are you seeing all of the goodness of God? And I, I wonder for us today, who's speaking into your life? That's a question I wanna to put to you. Who's speaking into your life? Who are you allowing to speak into your life? Who are you allowing to speak into your life? And then also, whose life are you speaking into? Whose life are you speaking into? Who are you calling out? Who are you calling on? Because there was this great opportunity that Caleb could just have laid down and could just have sat, but he didn't. He was raising up another generation. I don't know if anybody's seen the program about Derry Girls, um, couple of weeks ago. It was actually a documentary. It wasn't a series. Okay. So it was just a documentary. Uh, Jamie Lee was on it. I'm going to speak Irish, Paddy. I hope this is okay. Solsha, would that be right? No, it's not even right. <laughs> Shirsha. Yeah, that's good. So we're new today, speaking Irish and everything. So these two girls, <laughs> these two girls, Erin and whatever, Erin uh, is Solsha. Yeah, that's her. She was there. Two of them are over in the city. They were over and they were having a chat uh, and the program was talking about generations and about cycles of generations. And it was talking about mental health, it was talking about addiction, it was talking about sexual abuse, it was talking about the troubles, it was talking about everything. 
And what really stood out to me was that they turned around and said that there is a generation that needs to be broken. And I want to say to us today, church, we have, have seen this firsthand. We are living in a city that is known for its troubles. We are living in a city that is known where you can come and take your own life. We are living in a city that the people are anxious, their anxiety. We're living in a city where paramilitaries is still real. And drug abuse is real. And you see, this cycle is constantly going on and on and on and on. And what it's going to take is, is actually for one person to come and meet the risen Lord Jesus, for him to come in to save them by the grace of God through the transformation of him dying on the cross, forgiveness of sins, and giving their life to them to say, and you know what? That's not going to be named over my family anymore. This cycle is not going to happen. Because now the Lord has stepped in, the cycle is broken, we're going to see new life, we're going to see families and communities transformed because of the saving power of Jesus. And that's what needs to happen. Thanks, Val, <laughs> once again. I'm not sure if we can't get excited about God wanting to change a cycle in our city. We are known for the wrong things. I believe a day is coming when people will come to the city and they will come to meet the Lord. They will get off that train, they will get off the buses and they'll be hit by the presence of God. They'll be coming, they will know that there is something different about the city. We need to break these cycles. I look at Gary Rutherford and it's great to have known Roberto today. Gary won Nurse of the Year this week. Gary was in this cycle. And I could go and I could try and give a lecture about addiction and drugs and alcohol. I, I could give it, but I haven't walked it. I haven't walked it. The Lord is looking for people that have walked in the communities. He is looking, I, I, I'm sorry, I'm getting a wee bit excited. But we, we need people to meet Jesus that are walking in this. Gary, now, anybody in the city, drug addiction, ark, Gary. Because he's walked it. He's done it. What about the paramilitaries? We were praying on staff two Fridays ago. Jerry was there, Janine, Greg, Ryan, and Julie Young was there. And we just prayed and worshipped. And, and, and I maybe, uh, I got again a wee bit passionate, but I prayed that I want to meet the people in Kneecap Alley and Craigan. I want to meet the paramilitaries. I want to meet them. And Patty shared this morning pre-service prayer in Psalm 24. What does it say? Psalm 23, verse 5. What does the Lord prepare before us? A table for my enemies. You're a hard crowd. <laughs> the Lord says, I'm preparing a table before you and my enemies. And it's an indicator we can come and stand before our enemies and we're in a good posture. If I was looking to meet my enemy and I'm standing before them and I'm ready to meet them head on, but what about a table? What about sitting? Whenever you're sitting at a table, you're in a form of weakness. And the Lord is preparing before us this morning a table and an invitation with our enemies. And what I'm trying to say is that the Lord is preparing a table before us that we would have these encounters, that we would come, we would talk, we would share. We would give the message of the gospel. We would share Jesus and let him do what he needs to do. Because you see, 
He wants to come and he wants to change us. Got a wee bit off track there, so please forgive me. But I hope you're getting what I'm saying. We need to break these generation cycles. We need to break what has been spoken over. We need spiritual parents. We need spiritual fathers and mothers in this church, but for the city. That's what Caleb was doing. But he also wanted a fresh challenge. You see, whenever it came at 85, he still had the strength, he had the spiritualness. He was sharp. He had good eyesight. And he wanted to step out. Uh, and he just wanted to go. And he says to God, give me another opportunity. He could have picked any part of the land that he wanted. But what did he do? He picked the hardest place. He picked the place in the hill. It was the hardest to attack, but it was the easiest to defend. You see, he had unfinished business to do. And he says, God, give it to me. I want it. And I'm going to take it. Because the Lord had spoken something over his life. And you see, there was a battle that he had to go into. And you see, he was willing to go to remove the giants and break down the hill country and break down the city. And you see, whenever adversity comes, we need to stand strong. And it will come and it will knock at each of our doors. But whenever we get knocked down and whenever we're low, whenever we're lying, we, we've, I suppose, a question that we have to ask ourselves. What are we going to do? Are we going to lie there? Or are we just going to get on with life and feel sorry for ourselves? I don't know if you've ever seen the, the great film, um, Chariots of Fire, Eric Liddell. I hope I pronounced it that okay. He was an Olympic champion. He was a Christian missionary and he ran this race in 1923 and it was a quarter of a mile race in England and he started well and he was running and he was doing good but all of a sudden he tripped on the legs of J.J. Uh, Gillies and he fell off the track. There was no room for error. He had just a small part of the race to finish and the, the, the finish line was in sight and he got tripped up. What would you do if you get tripped up on a quarter of a mile race? Would you lie there? Would you feel sorry for yourself? Would you pick the stones out of your knees and go per me? No, Eric didn't do that. He got up, he dusted himself off, and he ran with every ounce of strength and faith and everything that he went to do that, and he didn't quit. And what happened was, whenever he got up to run, the last person in the race was actually ahead of him. But he ran, and he ran, and he ran, and he got up, and he finished that, that race first place, three yards ahead of the person that was in second place. You see, he got up again. He didn't lie down. He didn't do it. And there's some of us today that are here, we feel cut off. We feel tripped up. You've stopped. You feel that, that God doesn't see you. But I want to say to you today, God does see you. He sees you. And this race is not over yet. You are not written off. It's time for you to get back up, to get in the race, and actually to face the giants. To face the giants and run at it. God is saying, I'm with you. I am with you. And we can see this because we have this promise in Psalm 27, verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? What a promise from David. This is what he says. You see, whenever we think of giants, 
And there was giants in this land. They were known as a people of tallness. There was giants in the land. But whenever we face giants, we have to know that it's not going to be easy. And it's, not, it's going to be tough. But God is saying to you, enter into this. Face these giants. Because whenever you face these giants, you're going to face freedom. And you're going to get freedom. You're going to receive freedom. But you see, freedom requires a choice. We can either face it or we can either leave it. It's up to us what we want to do with it. You see, every single one of us has failed. Every single one of us has sinned. Every single one of us, if we're being really honest, has let fear creep into our lives at times. But I don't know any verse in the Bible that tells us or gives us a command to say, focus on fear, focus on your sin, focus on, on where you're at. No, that's not what it says. Jesus says to us in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, Therefore, since you're surrounded, since you're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run the race with perseverance marked before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God our Father. You see, God is saying to us this morning, get your eyes lifted up. Get your eyes off yourself. Get your eyes off your problem and fix your eyes on me. That's what he's saying to us this morning, church. He's saying to us, get your eyes fixed on me. You see, Caleb came in after this tail end of, of, of the battle. And the place where he was going to was Kerdabath Arba. And it was then renamed. It was Hebron. Because he had an inheritance to claim. And I love the fact that God wants to come in and God actually wants to rename something. He wants to actually take a place, take a situation and rename it. That's what happens whenever Jesus comes in. He does that. So Caleb went into this battle and he didn't rest until every giant was beat. There are giants that we are facing as individuals. There are giants that we're facing in culture and in society that we actually need to face. And the Lord wants to rename it. Because you see, that mountain was a mountain where Abraham and his family had an encounter with God. That mountain was where David went on. David was anointed king. And, and, and he was there. And you see, I love the way that God is in the habit of taking places and turning them upside down. This used to be a nightclub. Can we imagine what happened in here? We probably can make a big list. Better not ask, was anybody in here? And, uh, put your hand down. And, uh, but God does this. This is what God does. He's in the habit of turning things upside down. And I want to say to you today, as, as I do wrap up now, is that the last verse of that chapter, it says, and there was rest and peace when all the giants were gone. We need to deal with our giants because it's only after we deal with the giants that we find rest, that we find peace. And that was of all of that. What I would like us to do, if it's okay, I have had this picture um, from the last eight months. 
and the Lord has gave this to me. And I believe this is, uh, this is important for us. I've searched high and low. I've had people on the lookout for maps of the city. And I felt the Lord tell me strongly, get a map and mark it. We are only going to see breakthrough whenever we claim where we live and where we work. We're only going to see breakthrough and, a, and, a, and God come and move. I had this picture of a map of the city with loads of different pins and stuff on it. I don't have pins, but I've, I've spoke to the Lord and he's given me grace that we can use postlets. And what, what I would like us to do now, what I would like us to do is at each communion station, there's pens and there's sticky labels. And I would like you to put where you live and where you work. And if you don't work or if you're retired, just put the city. Like that's a good enough job, the city. And if there's a giant that you're facing, write it in the back of the postlet and nobody will look at it. And I'll make sure nobody looks at it. But I know we're facing giants today. This map has the surrounding areas of the city. I want you to stick it on the map where if you can see it, that's fine. If not, do it. But what it's saying is today, we're looking to break a, a trend in a generation. We're looking to break what the Father wants to do, what he wants to release his kingdom. And I'm believing this morning that you're the people to go into where you live, to where you work, to release the kingdom of God by what the Father has to do for you. You're his hands and you're his feet. So it will take two minutes. Go to the stations, get your pens and do it uh, quickly. There's a few pens there. Come up, stick it on and then we're going to pray and just see what God wants to do. Is that okay? I know time's nearly run out. Is that okay? Let's not all rush at once at this. you can do that as, as quickly as you can. <clears throat> We're just going to pray. I just want to take a few minutes just to wait in the Lord. I know time is nearly gone, but I really do feel that this is a, this is a key moment for some people in the room today. And by doing this, is it's, we're, we're marking, we're saying that I suppose the Lord is commissioning us this morning where you work and where you live.
that is your ground, that is your space, that is where you are bringing the gospel, that is where you are God's hands, you are God's feet, that is where you are God's mouthpiece, and that is where you are speaking life, and that is where you are releasing the kingdom of heaven. And that's what the Father is asking for us this morning, for our city and where we work and where we live. While the guys are doing that, could, could I just ask the rest of us just to stand? And um, I just want to pray just a blessing and a commissioning over each of us. We're going to invite the Holy Spirit just to come and we're just going to wait on him. So Father, I thank you this morning. Thank you, Jesus, for, for who you are and what you're doing. I thank you that you are a God that sees and knows and loves us. I thank you, Lord, for, for the Great Commission. I thank you, Father God, that, that you have told us to go and make disciples. You have told us to go to baptize. You have told us to go uh, and to preach, Lord, to all the nations. And I thank you, Lord, this morning that you have actually placed us in Derry, Londonderry, in the northwest of Ireland for such a time as this. So, Father, I just pray right now, would you just even just release from heaven just the tools that we all need for evangelism, for knowing when to step in and to speak, to, to knowing when to pray for somebody, to knowing when to speak out, to know when to share the gospel, to know when to lift the mighty name of Jesus high. So I even pray, Lord, just, just come and commission Cornerstone City Church once again, come and commission us as followers, as believers of Jesus one more time. So God, I thank you for every home that is on this map. I thank you for every job place that is on this map. And I pray for a greater increase of the kingdom of heaven to fall over those places. Lord, I pray that people would be bold. I pray that people would step out. I pray that people would release the kingdom of heaven. So come Holy Spirit. We just bless all that you're doing. So Father, we, we, we just open ourselves up to you now. Would you just come, Holy Spirit? Would you just increase your presence in this room? We say we love you. We love you, God. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Holy Spirit. So I pray even right here, right now, would you just come and just rest on people? Would you come and increase your presence? And just even start to just manifest your presence just upon us, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. I praise you, Lord. Thank you that we can be still and know that you're Lord.
So I just want to give an invitation this morning that are, if there are some of you this, this morning you feel, you know what, I would need to be a spiritual parent. For some of us this morning, that's what you need to step into. I'm just going to ask you to come to the front. If you're feeling that call of speaking out, of speaking into, of being a spiritual parent. <coughs> that's something that's lay with you. I'd ask you to come forward. Go ahead. Jesus, thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Also this morning, I'm just sensing that the Father wants to bring freedom to these giants. There are giants that we're facing. There's, there, there's stuff even within. And the Lord wants to break that this morning. So if we could pray for giants in your life, I want to invite you to come forward so we can pray for that. Can I invite the CLA, if you're part of that, to come forward and just start to minister to these guys that are at the front? As I was running last night and just praying for this talk, I passed a field and in that field it was full of sheep and there was one black sheep in that field. I just felt the Lord say there is somebody in church this morning and they feel as if they're the black sheep of the family. And I just want to say to you this morning, that that is not the way that the Father looks at you. There's one thing that was in that sheep, in that field of sheep last night. All I could see was the black sheep. It actually stood out. So God wants to say to you this morning, you're not the black sheep. Actually, I have looked at you. I have seen you. you were, you're not called to blend in. You're not called to blend and you're called to stand out. <laughs>